This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 430 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections for the entire universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. Well, howdy, everybody, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. I am Glenn DeGeek from Lexington, Kentucky, horse capital of the world. And today we have back, we go legal again today with Julie Firstman, who is widely recognized as one of the nation's leading counselors and litigators in equine law. Her law practice crosses all equine breeds and disciplines and serves stables, industry professionals, associations, businesses, show management, insurers, trainers, equestrian athletes, and clinicians across the United States. She is highly experienced in handling a wide variety of disputes frequently encountered, including personal injury, business conflicts, partnership disputes, sales disputes, and numerous others. In addition, her expertise in contract drafting helps her clients avoid those disputes in the first place. And that's why we have her on is to help you out in your horse business and to help you you maybe you know you have some of those legal questions you went well, I wonder about that well we hope that these tips will help you solve those problems in your mind as well and we're going to be back with Julie right after this word from Equestrian Collections you know Equestrian Collections is the place to go this time of year when you're looking to replace all of those items that just plain wore out last year whether it's clothing or blankets or sheets whatever you need for the show ring, you know, your your tack, whatever it is, Equestrian Collections has the replacement for you. With over 300 different brands to choose from, you're going to find what you need at EquestrianCollections.com. And they have a special offer right now for uh, the listeners of the Horse Radio Network. You can get $10 off your next order of $120 or more at EquestrianCollections.com. Just put in Radio show, all one word, radio show in the promotional code section at checkout, and you'll get that $10 off. And that's exclusively for listeners of the Horse Radio Network at EquestrianCollections.com. Well, hi, Julie, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. We appreciate you coming on and spending time with us. Well, thanks. Good to be back. Am I going to get a big bill? Isn't that what attorneys do? <laughs> Am I going to get the. You're not telling me about it, and I don't have a proper contract with you. So now. Uh, you know, in another week or two, I'm going to get the big bill, and then my wife, who's my accountant, is going to be really mad at me, and and you're going to cause a divorce. <laughs> See, this didn't work out, Julie. It just didn't work out. People blame lawyers for everything, everything. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, so I took that all the way to divorce. <laughs> uh, so, so now we are doing part, this is part two of a segment that we did a couple of weeks ago, and everybody can go back to horsetipdaily.com and look at the experts tab on the left-hand side there and look uh, look for Julie Fershman's name, and you can go back and listen to the previous tip if you missed it. We actually started talking about releases of liability. And in the first one, the first part of this tip, we actually talked about the, th- the four things that, you sh- that cause a release of liability to be not so good. And now we're going to talk today about releases of liability and the things that should be, should be included in a release of liability. Did I get any of that right? I think you got it right. Oh, good. Okay, good. So that means I don't have to start over? <laughs> so that's good. Definitely not. All right, good. Well, so, I think I'll just chime in and add a couple of quick comments. 
honestly, as a practicing attorney for 24 years, as I look at all the contracts that are available in the horse industry, the one contract that I think is the most misunderstood by far is the liability release. There's this misconception, hey, maybe you've heard it before, that's, uh, that is that these documents are simply not worth the paper they're written oh, on. Oh, I've heard that a and, thousand times, and it's mostly yeah. by people who don't want to bother doing them. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, or if they use a document that was just not well-worded and it fails, they say, see, this is what happens. But I'm here to say that these documents have tremendous power, and most states will enforce them. But the difficulty is the details. And because releases keep somebody from using the court system in any legal battle that involves this document, it will be put through the ringer. Every word will be examined. So you want a document, if you use it, that is going to pass muster. And I'm happy to offer some characteristics, common characteristics of an effective release so that people can try to meet the challenge and hopefully have their release succeed. Okay. Well, let's start with the obvious. Maybe time permits to go through about five or six. The first is the title. Interestingly, some people will bury a liability release within other service documents, and sometimes that's okay. Uh, there may be a release in a boarding stable pertaining to the boarded horse, but where the release of liability involves an injured person on the property or who receives the service, I think it's a great idea to use a separate document Make sure it's entitled a, a release of liability or a waiver and, and release agreement. Make sure it's clear to the person signing it that this is a release of liability. That can go uh, quite a long way because you don't want somebody to later claim they didn't realize just by the title that this was a release they were signing. So your title can help quite a bit. Ready okay. for another would've, example? Yeah, I would have never thought about that, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting, sense. too. I. I I tried a case in, uh, oh my gosh, 2004 before a jury in Illinois, and the document there was a release, but it sure didn't say that at the top. We had some problems with the document. That was just the least of them. Uh, but the other recommendation, the other common characteristic, I suppose, of a well-written release is that it's clear as to who is being released from liability. And this is, as you can imagine, a huge, huge problem in the horse industry. Uh, it's a problem because a lot of ma and pa operations simply call themselves something. It could be uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith doing business as Morningstar Farms. The problem is if the document is signed between the guest and Morningstar Farms, Morningstar is not a legal entity. So the document needs to be clear about who's being released, and that would be John Smith and Jane Smith doing business as Morningstar Farms. Or if Morningstar becomes a corporation or a limited liability company, the release needs to say, that the signer is releasing the entity, you would name it. And then you probably want to go into more detail, mentioning members, managers, officers, directors, uh, as needed, uh, maybe even uh, employees, agents. But be clear in the document about who's being released. There are unfortunately failure stories where the release failed because the person named in the release was not the name of the business. And okay, you can't benefit from a contract that doesn't name you, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I can see that happening in the case where, where you don't have your farm, you know, is not a corporation of any kind or really even a business entity. You're just calling yourself that. That's um, true. Yeah. So who's entering into the contract? It's you. It's not your business because it's not an entity. Okay. Uh, so that's an easy one to take care of, yeah. Uh, another quick recommendation, a common characteristic, if you will, is a good release, in my opinion, will go into some detail about the risks. 
let's say, for example, you're a riding instructor. You're giving lessons, and you've got novice riders coming in, maybe very early beginner riders. Wouldn't hurt to put in that document some of the risks of the activity so that they'll sign the release, but they'll have an idea of what they could be getting into. Um, and with the uh, advent of equine liability laws, we've got 46 of them right now, many of these laws even list risks. They have a list of inherent risks. Uh, some of those Your risk is you, you could end up in the heat. hospital with a big bill. Okay, you can put it just like that in the <laughs> That's document. That's pretty much what the risk is. <laughs> or, or you could go into more I mean, detail. Really, it all the, boils the down fact. to that, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, that's definitely true. In fact, some don't get e- even make it to the hospital. Some just make it right into the ground, six feet under. Yeah. Uh, but the risk of a horse kicking, biting, rearing up, uh, running away from danger by trotting or galloping, spinning around, backing up quickly, uh, rearing, all sorts of different things. Um, it, these are risks that anybody faces, even with a bomb-proof horse. And so I've seen it certainly too, can't hurt. We, I've seen situations too where where the liability just covered riding. Well, most people get hurt when you're on the ground. That's when most Absolutely. accidents at the farm happen is when you're grooming a horse and he kicks at a fly and, you know, you're plastered against the back wall. That's when most people are hurt. My wife's broken more bones uh, on the ground than riding. You know, that's just, an excellent point. Yeah. And I've been asked to look at releases and settings, and that's exactly what they say, that they only apply when the person's riding. But why not be more broad? The release by its own terms can say that it applies when the person is on the property, handling a horse, near a horse, uh, doing any number of things around horses. That's a that's an excellent point you raised. Okay, good. I made one. Mark that down. Hey, uh, <laughs> my co-counsel on the call. Yeah, mark I love that it. down. <laughs> but then there's another fine point that a lot of people miss, especially when they get their releases online through friends, through uh, listservs, the typical request of, hey, do you have a release? I'd like to use it. Uh, we'll bring a release that might be dynamite in the state it was generated, but not in yours. And the problem is that since 46 states have equine liability laws, not the state of Maryland and not California or New York or Nevada, but in the 46 states with these laws, the majority of them will give language that equine professionals, sometimes equine sponsors, need to put in their documents. And that language varies state to state. It could vary considerably, for example, when you're from Ohio. Ohio has a list of inherent risks that would need to go into contracts, um, but other states don't have that. Some states, like Florida, would have the Equine Liability Act warning language, similar to what the sign posting requirement has. Uh, some states, like Iowa, have that language plus another statement of risks. The, the requirements vary drastically all over the country. So one of the uh, fine points is make sure any release that you're using, if you're relying on it, complies with your Equine Liability Act. And the Equine Liability Acts in themselves, depending on the state, are not a reason not to have a release of liability. Did I say that right? <laughs> uh, I think I got you I think on there that. was a lot, of, um, a lot of negatives in there. Um, if you have an like Kentucky does, Kentucky has one, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't have a release of liability. That's a very touchy point in the eyes of the law, but the, the bottom line answer is this. Most states would not prevent you from using a release, even though you have an equine activity liability law. Equine law practitioners know there's a little undercurrent going on right now where the states are in a bit of disagreement about what can be released when you have an equine liability law. But putting that aside, uh, if your state has one, uh, 
the use of a document is critical. And if we have listeners from Arizona, we know that the Arizona equine liability law says that you derive no benefit unless the person has signed something. That's extremely important. So that's just one example of uh, how the equine liability law actually requires the use of a release. And that also brings us back to something we talked about in the first tip we did a while back, and that was that you should have an attorney that you deal with locally and that can help you with all of this so that you know exactly what you do need. Well, that would be my best recommendation, but I'm realistic, and I know that a lot of people listening are simply not able or willing to hire a lawyer. It can be expensive, and if if you really don't think you can, then... um, the best you can do is to make sure whatever document that you've drafted covers as many grounds as you can. Maybe you have a release given to you by a business down the street that does have a lawyer. Will they show it to you? Can you take a look at it? That wouldn't hurt. But remember, if you have a document that hasn't been approved by a lawyer, you're accepting a certain degree of risk. Even if a lawyer approves a document, there's always a degree of risk. And the risk is that even people who sign releases can sue. And as I talked about in the earlier uh, tips, the the best release can fail if it's not properly signed uh, or if the state just simply will not enforce it. So having a good release is great. Having an equine liability law in your state can't hurt. It's always good to have insurance uh, in place as uh, as, as a good protection. All right. Very good. And, of course, you have some books to help people out as well. Well, I do. My first book is called Equine Law and Horse Sense, and some of the suggestions that I've been sharing with you today came right from it. There's a section in it called 15 Ideas Regarding Equine Liability Releases. And one of the things I think people should know is none of the books that I've written include form contracts. I haven't put forms in because, as we know, what works in California is just not going to work in the state of Uh, Florida or the state of New York or Connecticut. The differences are huge. But the books that I've written, which are Equine Law and Horse Sense and more Equine Law and Horse Sense, uh, go into some discussion about what makes releases work. So uh, they can give you some good general background information on how to make your document better likely to hold up. All right, good. To learn more about them, all all anybody would need to do is go to www.equinelaw.info to learn a little more about the books. That's terrific. And I also wanted to mention that we have a lot of listeners, and we we failed to do this. We have a lot of listeners in Michigan. If they want to hire you directly, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they certainly can. To learn more about my practice, just go to www.equinelaw.net, and that will give you some basic information, uh, what I do, and And, how to find me. And the contact info is on there, too? That is correct. I've tried cases in four states. I've got a national clientele. But what I really like to see people have is a good relationship wherever possible with an experienced, qualified lawyer in their state. So if people call here, what we can try to do is see if we can refer them to somebody locally if if they want somebody local. All right. Terrific. Well, thank you, Julie. We'll talk to you again soon. Great. Nice talking to you.
Well, thank you to Julie for stopping by and uh, providing these legal tips. And I think that she explains them very well and, and certainly gives you something to think about. If you want to listen to her past tips, she's done four of them now. This is the fourth one. You can go to the website and just look up Julie Firstman on the Tips by Expert on the drop-down menu on the left-hand side of the page, and you'll find them all in a row. You can go back and take a listen to them. And I think that uh, that's something that we all should worry about in our equine businesses, including myself. Uh, you're running the Horse Radio Network. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 